I just think at that time it was like a no brainer. It was like, man, I don't know how I would ever pass that up. Like, I don't know if I could live with myself 30 years down the road if I'm like, man, I could have played for Kansas and I didn't, you know? So that's just kind of what where it came down to at the end of the day. When Hunter did end up committing and, and Zuby and Ernest left, you know, it was down to a couple. And then Coach Elf was like, hey, like, you're a guy, like, you come here, like, we won't need another big. And, you know, it's the opportunity of, of a lifetime, if you ask me. So Dad used to tell me all the time. He used to tell me all the time, son, don't worry about the mules, just go the way. What's up, everybody? If you are a college football fan like me, if you know a college football fan that's in your life, you need to go cop this shirt. New designs dropping all the time. It's the perfect gift with the holiday season coming around. If you don't have this thing, you're missing out. Great material, great fabric. I wear it all the time. Go get yours today. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Rock Chalk Unplugged. I'm your co-host, Chris Tien, along with my co-host, Mitch Lightfoot. Mitch, we got a special guest for everybody today. How about you introduce him? This is my favorite Brown on this year's KU team. Parker Brown, welcome to the pod. How you doing? Good. How you guys doing? Well, we're great. We're great. Obviously, you guys are coming off a big win against Oklahoma. Uh, a great response at home. They're a top 10 ranked team. Uh, obviously, coming off the, the loss against UCF. What, what, what went into the game against Oklahoma, and how did you guys pull that one out? Um, you know, they're obviously a really good team. They're well coached. Um, Porter kind of got his guys in there and he's kind of created a, a culture around there. Finally, he's been there long enough to get his own culture and his own guys in there. And they play really hard. They're really athletic. And, you know, coach kind of emphasized that in the very beginning. They're very solid all around. There's not very much margin for error. So just making sure that we keep our head forward. We don't hang our loss, our head on that loss against UCF. Like you said, you can't turn can't turn one into two in this league. It's pretty pretty crazy so you can't turn two into, or one into two just making sure we go do the right things and keep our head down and just kind of be who we are and try not to change too much we know we know what we got I think we got a winning recipe uh, out here at Kansas we got good guys we got good coaches it's just those nights happen sometime and just making sure that you don't turn two into one and uh just keep marching forward that's really our our goal and so UCF, obviously, that that's a tough loss. It's a it's a loss that many people didn't expect us to have, but it's also the Big Twelve. This stuff happens all the time. This will not be the the last time we see a top five team ranked in the Big Twelve go down to UCF or go to West Virginia and lose. But what was the locker room like after a loss like that, where you were in control the first half and just kind of gave it away and never really caught back up? Yeah, we kind of try to treat it like a uh, a turning point in the season. You know, we'd I'd rather lose now than in. March or April to stuff like that. So it's good to learn from it, especially early on in the conference. You know, you don't want to drop one when you need it late in the conference or you don't want to drop one in March Madness, obviously. So might as well do it now if you're going to do it, I'd say. Um, the locker room, just kind of making sure we stay together. Can't can't turn away from each other. You know, you can't turn each other's backs, can't get down on each other after that. Just making sure we keep our heads up. Um, it was OK. You know, nobody wants to lose, especially around here. Losing's not not very common and no one no one likes to lose around here so just making sure that we don't make it a common thing is really kind of what we focus on you look around on twitter and i think you see fans reacting to the game and it's whenever KU loses a game it's always the sky's falling and this is oh this team can't do this and this team will never go this far because of this what is the actual what is the actual feeling like around the locker room and what is coach self saying after the game uh, is it gloom and doom or is there some positivity and some learning points um, you know, I think a lot of people kind of expected coach to be very upset about it. Um, I think he said he mentioned in the media, it was the second worst loss, uh, he's had since he's been here, but, um, you know, someone's got to be down there. Someone's got to be the second worst loss. So, uh, it happens, you know, just kind of got to just know that someone's got to be down there and, and sometimes you'll have off nights. And especially like you said, in this conference, it can happen to anybody. You know, we saw what the top six teams lose this week. So. It's just kind of the landscape of, of college basketball nowadays. You know, everybody's good. Everybody's got guys. Everybody's well coached. So just knowing that can happen to you every night and then just kind of learning from it, knowing that it can happen to you every night. So uh, going in and attacking each game, no matter where you are in the conference, no matter where they are in the conference, just making sure that you're attacking every game like it's the national championship, really. And what, I can uh, tell you right now that Coach Self said that's the second worst loss he's ever had. I think me and Mitch had either the worst loss, the second worst loss that Coach Self's ever had, probably about six or seven times. So, I mean, as much as he's saying it's the second worst loss, 
it's just the spur of the moment thing where he's just pissed off and he wants to light a fire under your guys' ass. So it's not exactly. like everyone freaks out and will be like, that was a second worst because they heard Coach Self say it. It's like, oh, my God. Every time we went to West Virginia and lost in a game that we needed to win and they weren't good, it's like that was the worst loss I've ever had here. I mean, it's pretty consistent that he just gets fired up after those and just exactly. pretty much like, yeah, he's just yeah, like said, it's kind of like sky's falling around here with like the media is crazy and all that stuff. And everyone that watches like sky's falling, like you said, but but they're not at practice every day. You know, they're not making the game plans and everything like that. So we know what we got here. We know we can win. We've already beat a plenty of great teams, plenty of top teams. So, you know, we know what we can do. We know what we're capable of. So it's just a matter of learning from it and trying to grow from it. What does the practice look like coming off that loss? Is, is coach really like run, running the shit out of you guys, or is he more focused on X's and O's, trying to figure out what we what we did wrong, what we needed to address for Oklahoma? Um, it's funny. We had a quick turnaround, which I think saved us. Um, you know, he, 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 I think he would have loved to get on us and, and run us and all that stuff, like you said, but I don't really think we had much time to. So um, we watched the game, which I'm sure, as you guys know, is pretty scary. Normally you just kind of run clips, but when he starts it from the top, it can get scary. You kind of have to get comfortable in your seat because, you know, you might be there for a while. But um, it wasn't that bad, honestly. The loss was bad, and we didn't play very well. But, you know, at least we had a little stretch in there where we were executing well and we were running well and all that stuff. I think that kind of saved us because during the film, we were only there for about an hour and a half, which isn't that bad. Um we watched it, didn't really raise his voice. He kind of reassured us, still believes in us and all that kind of stuff. But um, just making sure that we learn from it and don't turn two into one or one into two. Um, he he mentioned, you know, maybe he's gotten a little soft, but that we, we shouldn't turn a turn softness and or turn his uh, niceness into softness. You know, he can still turn that corner if he needs to, just making sure that we know that. Um, but he didn't blow up us on, up on us yet. I think we'll have to lose maybe another one or two bad ones to for him to do that. But hopefully, you know, we can kind of stay on his good side and keep those quick turnarounds. For our sake, uh, let's let's hope you don't do that because I know how the I know how that turns out, and you don't want to have practice at ten o'clock at night and show back mm. up at seven a.m. the next day. Like that stuff is that's for the birds, but I, I think you guys yeah, can turn it around. A good job, just kind of moving on to the next game. I think I think he wanted to make sure that he knew this was a big game for us and they're a top 10 team. They're a good team. So he couldn't really, he couldn't really focus on that last game as much as he wanted to. So that kind of, I think that kind of saved us. And you guys, you guys played, I mean, you had spurs to the UCF game. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. I can't remember what minute mark from what minute mark, but I think it was like the 16 to like the eight minute mark in the first half. You guys probably played some of your best basketball. That you, you guys were absolutely getting up and down the court. You guys were playing inside out, which is something that we saw a lot against Oklahoma. I'm sure that was a point of emphasis where, hey, like if we're going to have Hunter down there posting up, throw him the ball first. Coach Self said it multiple times. He's our second best passer on this team, especially out of the post. And so I think that we did a really good job of doing that against Oklahoma. And I'm sure that was a point of emphasis where he watched those couple minutes that we played well and was like, hey, if we play like this, no one can mess with us. But mm -hmm. if we go out and we want to play athletic and try to sit there and have our guards take guys one-on-one, -on -one, that's just not the team we're going to be, especially having someone as dominant as Hunter. Just, I mean, in lack of better words, he's taken up the lane for those driving, those driving slots. But, I mean, if you get him the ball, it's an automatic two points down there. So it's something to give or take. But I think that – I think that yesterday was just definitely a step in the right direction. It showed I kind of had a feeling that's what we would be doing. But let's say let's stop talking about the what the current games that are going on. Let's talk a little bit about your college journey. So obviously you start in the zoo, you have your tenure there, and then get out and go to Santa Clara. So for everybody, well, kind of walk us through your process. What made you transfer from Mizzou? What made you leave Santa Clara? Yeah, I was at Mizzou for three years. I redshirted my first year, so I really only played two. Um we were not very great my first year or two there, and then uh, turned it around my my third year there. We made it to the tournament. Um, we had a group of guys that were there forever. I think we only had like one or two seniors leave in my three years that I was there. So it was kind of the same group all throughout, and we were all really tight. Um, we made it to the tournament that year, and then we had like, I think six guys graduate, and then like four or five transfer from there. So there wasn't really much left um and it was just kind of time to move on you know i think it, i think i needed a fresh start just kind of go somewhere new and 
and start new out there, you know, go to a new program, new coach and all that stuff. So I think it was it just ran its course at that point. You know, I, I think I had a great three years there. I learned a lot, met a lot of great people. And, and I had a great college experience at Missouri. Um, it's rough as that is to say now being a Jayhawk. Um, yeah. I love my time at Mizzou, but I think it just kind of ran its course and it was time to move on. Appreciate it, Mitch and Chris. Before we get back to Raw Talk, I got to tell you guys about the best way to make money on sports. I've been in search of the best way to fire on sports for the last year or so. I've tried every sports book, all the different apps, but Prize Picks is the best way to make money on sports. On Prize Picks, you pick players and not teams. Each player has a set total stat projection. So let's say Patrick Mahomes has a higher or lower than 220 passing yards. If you think he's going to have more, you just click on on more when it hits you make a bunch of money i just hit a four player pick them last night 10x in my money 100 bucks to win a thousand and the best part is you can go to prizefix.com slash rock chalk and use the code rock chalk for a 100 deposit match up to 100 dollars. that's prizefix.com slash rock chalk use the promo code rock chalk for a 100 deposit match up to 100 bucks who knows what you can turn that 100 bucks into i turned mine into a thousand last night let me know what you do in the comments How did you enjoy uh, Santa Clara? Obviously, that's very different than living in uh, in Missouri or in Kansas. I think I think that's a that's a different environment. Yeah, different was what I was looking for, and uh, definitely what I got in Santa Clara. Um, just wanted to get out of the area. You know, I'm I'm from around here, so Missouri is not very far away. You know, I knew a bunch of people from high school. All my family went there, and all that stuff. So it was just kind of good to get away from all that and and kind of start fresh by myself, you know, and, and be out there by myself and have to figure it out, uh, all alone. Um, but it was good. California is definitely way different. Um, especially now, you know, it's probably 65 out there and maybe it rains every once in a while, but it's probably 65 out there right now and it's negative 10 here. So, um, the weather was nice, but just in terms of like playing style and stuff, I think fitted me better. Um, it was down a level, which I liked, you know, it was a great opportunity to go in and play right away, be a starting guy um, on an up and coming program. You know, they were kind of uh, on the verge of the top being at the top of the WCC, which I think is the top six or seven program probably um, or a conference at the time. So just being able to go into a, a, a top conference and have a, a chance to play on a good team and uh, with a lot of good competition in a fast paced style where I could, kind of play my game inside and out, I think was something that was very appealing to me. And I love the coaching staff. I think it's a great school, great opportunity to go get a great degree from. And I think it's just kind of where I, where I found to be home. So for the people that don't know the transfer process, you obviously, everyone sees the people tweeting that, Hey, I'm entering my name in the transfer portal or the, or the reporters kind of reporting on it. What is it actually like entering the transfer portal? Is, is there paperwork to fill out? When do coaches start contacting you? Or is it just like, hey, I'm sending a tweet out. Whoever sees it can just start messaging me. What was kind of the actual process that goes into entering the portal nowadays? Yeah, it actually is kind of a long process. Once you kind of make that decision that you want to transfer, I mean, I don't, I don't know how a lot of guys do it. But I think for me, I, I wanted to go tell coach and, you know, kind of bounce it off him make sure he's okay with it and get his thoughts on it, you know, see if it's a good idea for me, blah, 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 you know, see if it's okay with him. And then um, he got to make sure, and he's got to go tell like the compliance people that uh, you have to go fill out like a release and they have to like actually release you into the portal basically from the school. So you're not like on the team anymore and all that. And then once you sign that paperwork and it gets, uh, I don't know who they send it off to, but people like review it and they like uh, basically release you into like this list of players that enter the portal or whatever it's called. Um, and I think that list gets sent out to different coaches and they can check it on like synergy or whatever it is. And like who's entered the portal and where they're from and what their stats are and all that stuff. So they can just kind of review it and certain schools look at what positions they need or what, what skills people have and all that kind of stuff. And they go over it and schools reach out to you, honestly, within the first like couple hours, I would say you normally hear from schools and, and schools know they're generally pretty on top of it, especially the more aggressive programs that like to get people out of the 
out of the portal. Um, I was kind of in the portal when it was the the wild, wild west. And I'm kind of one of the last uh, classes remaining from that time where COVID, you got that that one time transfer rule. So um, at that time, it was crazy. There was like over a thousand people in it, whatever. So it's probably a little different than it is now. But I remember when I went in, you hear from school so fast because it's just like that's the end thing to do now. You go get guys that have experience and and have skills that you know, and then they can they can see what the, they want to do with it and how it works with their program. But um, you hear from schools fast, and it's normally a pretty fast moving process because guys, so many guys are in it. You know, a lot of spots get filled fast, a lot of spots open fast. So if you see a program you like, or if you program see players that they like, they like to act on it fast and. Um, you got to make sure that you're doing your research or you're going to get left behind pretty quickly. Speaking of that quick turnaround, how fast did you know once you entered the the portal from Santa Clara that you wanted to go to Kansas? Was that something that like you had like a preconceived notion that that might be an option or was that something that like materialized after you entered the portal? Um, It was actually a tougher decision than I imagined it would be. You know, growing up, you get that you get that call from Bill Self that, you know, you got an opportunity to play for Kansas. It's like, you might as you're, you're telling them that you're going on that phone call, basically, like you don't even have to have another conversation with him growing up. But um, I had a lot of good schools I was looking at. I took a couple visits and then it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, like Hunter decided to come in late because um, he was one of the top guys. So he could kind of take his time. But um, he came in late and then Coach Self kind of called me while he kind of had a feeling Hunter was making his decision soon. He's like, hey, um, I think, you know, if Hunter Dickinson comes here, then Ernest and Zuby might leave. So that kind of leaves a spot open for a backup big man. And I think that you're a good fit for that role. And I think that you'd fit in well here. And so it kind of made me kind of wait a little bit because that was something I was interested in. And even though I had like a lot of good schools, I had time to go take visits there. And then when Hunter did end up committing and, and Zuby and Ernest left, you know, it was down to a couple. And then Coach Elf was like, hey, like, you're a guy like you come here, like we won't need another big. And, you know, it's the opportunity of, of a lifetime if you ask me. So um, once all that kind of materialized, it was kind of a no brainer. Um, I did have a lot of great uh, like schools come in contact with me. I, I had a lot of great visits. I loved a couple of different staffs. And um, I just think at that time it was like a no brainer. It was like, man, I don't know how I would ever pass that up. Like, I don't know if I could, live with myself 30 years down the road. If I'm like, man, I could have played for Kansas and I didn't, you know? So that's just kind of what, where it came down to at the end of the day. What what was like, once you got the Kansas offer, one coach self kind of told you what was going on and then Hunter committed. What kind of pressure were you getting from CB and your parents? Cause you know, I mean, Christian loved his time here. I know your parents love the university. They love coach self. They're treated very, very well here. What was the kind of pressure or were they hands off and just like make the best decision for yourself? Um, no, they do love it here. Um, I talked to them a lot just about like what their thoughts were, but they were both kind of hands off. It was like, make your own decision. You know, we don't want to make it for you. Um, and my parents would have been happy wherever I ended up. Like, you know, I could, I could quit basketball today and they'd be fine. But, um, it was mostly just kind of bouncing ideas off them and what they, what their thoughts were, you know, if they thought it was a good fit or, you know, what's, what's coach like, what's it like day to day, like at KU, that's kind of what I talked to Christian about and stuff like that. It wasn't really like, should I do this? Should I do that? It was more like gathering info from him. Kind of same with my parents. What, uh, what did Christian say about his time at KU? Like, obviously you talked to him about this prior to, to being at KU, but what did he say once you were actually looking at going there? Yeah, he had a blast. A lot of my information was based off of what I saw when he was here. Um, he had a blast, obviously. His experience is a little different than mine because he came here off the rip and he had three years and uh, his basketball future is probably a little brighter than mine is. But um, I only got one chance at this. You know, I only got one year. So I was kind of looking at it like what better way to end your college basketball career than at Kansas? You know, as a kid, you grow up dreaming about putting that jersey on and, and being here and, you know, just just being around the game and seeing how the fans and everyone loves Christian and, and how he did here. You know, I think especially with the team we have this year, it was like, man, I don't know how you how you'd pass that up. It just seemed like like destiny at this point. Has it lived up to the the hype that you thought it was like? It has, has your experience so far been what you thought it was going to be? 
Yeah, it's been awesome. Um, just the city, you know, and then the fans and everything. It's been so, so over the top, you know, you can't even really like really put it to words. Um, cause there's no really way to go in like with expectations. I've never played in front of 16,000 people at Allen Fieldhouse. You know, I've been in the crowd, but I've never been on the court and, you know, it's, it's hard to really wrap your mind around that before you've ran through the tunnel and, and like gone through the layup lines the first time, you know, you can't really prepare for that. You know, even if you have Christian or people that played before, you know, and like I know you guys and I knew people like on the team, even though you're tight with that and you've been around it, there's really no way to have any expectations until you're actually there, you know? So it's a, uh, it's been everything and more if I'm being honest. So let's keep it on CB a little bit. Cause obviously he had an incredible rookie year. Watching your little brother, like what was that experience going to the playoff games, going to the finals games when he's actually contributing? How was that watching him as an older brother? It's honestly hard to believe it. It it really feels like a dream because like he's living out your dream. Like you grew up, we grew up kind of tight. We're really close in age. So we had all the same hobbies. We had all the same friends. We hung out together. We had the same, played on the same teams, you know, all that stuff. So he kind of lived out our dream. And uh, I'm super proud of him. And it was just fun to be along for the ride. You know, I just love seeing him live out that dream and seeing him succeed and be happy and and be like financially stable and all that kind of stuff. It's just been great to to see all that pay off because I got to see also everything behind the scenes, you know, how hard he worked and everything he went through before that and how he really earned it. To Like if you ask me, like a lot of people aren't really given that opportunity. So to see him go out and earn it, I think is something that was really special to watch, especially uh, seeing everything that he's been through and we've been through, like just growing up, you know, even people that like know him and when he was in college or know him when he was in high school, like I've literally been by his, like at his hips since we were, since he was born. So just kind of being around there and just being next to him, seeing him succeed and seeing him live out our dreams is something that is pretty hard to put to words, but it's something that uh, I think is really special. I think from my perspective, like seeing like an older brother be able to like be there for his younger brother is the coolest thing in the world. Like I've got two younger brothers. They, they make me so proud. And like, that's, that's something that I can relate to you on. I think that's so cool. Like I wanted to go back and talk about the, the NBA finals. What is your, what was the after party? Like, how do you guys celebrate that? You, you were out there for that. What is that like? Um, you don't have to give any incriminating things, but just give no us the version, like, was it a good time? No, there there are no incriminating. I can't incriminate anybody. We, none of that went on, but um, <laughs> it was cool. We got to, everyone kind of, when everyone like filed out and stuff, we got to go on the court and like when they were doing the ceremony and all the confetti's falling and all that stuff, we're on the court while they're getting the trophy and all that kind of stuff. And then he goes back and like takes all pictures and all that kind of stuff. And they do like their team meeting. And then we just kind of hung around in the, in the arena and they had like a, like a party for like the families basically, where it was like, they had food and, and drinks and all that stuff. And, and everyone could just kind of talk and get to know each other because in the NBA, it's a lot different than college. You don't really spend a lot of time together. So it was good to just kind of like meet everyone's families and, and talk to all those people before. And then, uh, they, they kind of invited everyone like into the locker room after that. It was like Christian came up and we saw him, took pictures with the trophy and all that stuff. And then uh, he was like, are you, like, you coming back to the locker room, blah, blah, blah. Like while he gets showered and changed and we were like, uh, is that okay? Like, can we do that? And he's like, yeah, everyone's in there. What are you talking about? And we're like, all right, cool. So we went back there. They were popping champagne in the locker room and it was everywhere. And it was like everyone was having drinks and just kind of talking and getting to know each other before – like everyone headed out that night. And then he went to, uh, we went to dinner at some spot that he likes and then, uh, went to some party that he, I guess is like really tight with one of the owners out there. I don't know. I can't think of the name for some reason. Um, and yeah, it was just fun. It was just like, you, you never got tired, you know, like it, as a crazy as, as it is and as long as a season as it is for him, you know, it was like, he never got tired. He was on top of the world. And it was just, it was a, it was a long night. We flew out early that morning. It was like an 8 a.m. flight or something like that. And we were just like out until like six. And then it was like, okay, we need to go grab our stuff and head to the airport. He, CV had a good time. I mean, I, like you said, there can't be anything incriminating because pretty much all of it was all over Twitter for like a week and a half. Mm -hmm. CV was like, yeah, I, I took him living his best life. For about a month there. 
he was just going around celebrating for about a month there. He didn't, I don't even know if he touched the ball honestly in that month, but he had a lot of fun. He lived it up. He celebrated for sure. He deserved it. So like, it's not, you can't like, yeah, it's, if you won the NBA finals. That'd be the same thing. I mean, I would maybe be hanging up the shoes a little bit early. If, if that was yeah, me first year and win a finals. The pinnacle of the sport. It's like, wh- where do you go from here now? Like you can't, what are you going to do? Go to the hall of fame is really like the next really milestone you can accomplish. You've done it all now. So. Parker, yeah. you were in New Orleans, right? When we won. Yeah, I was. Mm-hmm. How was how was that experience from from your perspective? Like, obviously, we were we were there with you, but like, tell the fans about your experience about being there. Um, you know, I didn't really necessarily win it, but I think just in in terms of experience, I probably had more fun than you guys did. Just kind of being yeah, your rookie, basically. I was. I got to we the we lost in the NIT in the first round, so. I got to go to every single one of your guys' games. Um, I flew out to Dallas and I saw those two games and then it was our spring break. So I got to go home for like a couple of days and then you guys went to Chicago, got to fly up there for a little bit and then went back to school and you guys went to New Orleans and uh, I got to go to that. My coach was like, dude, go ahead. Like, of course I want you to go to that. So I got to go to New Orleans and watch those two games And I was basically just having fun, you know, following you guys. I didn't have to practice. I didn't have to play. I just got to be there and could be basically courtside of the games. And I got to watch Christian and cheer him on and cheer you guys on. So I had a lot of fun. I was with all my family and friends. You know, we didn't we just kind of kicked it. We didn't have to didn't have any obligations. We were just kind of following you guys around and following your sesh, cheering you guys on. And I'm glad you guys made it all the way because I I definitely would not have had a great experience if it wasn't for that. <laughs> we yeah. tried to blow it in the championship, but thank God. Yeah, if if thank it was God. like a 16 exit or something, like I would have been like, well, that was kind of a waste of time, but all right. I'm glad you guys made it all the way. Yeah. Hey, we, 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 we've dwelled on the past a little bit. Let's talk kind of about again, when you came into Kansas, you obviously said that you would be the backup big coach self lets you know that pretty early on with Hunter coming. What was like, what was your idea of your role playing behind Hunter? Did you, kind of think that hey i fit i can stretch the floor i protect the rim well i play good defense and i'm an energy guy was that kind of your your acceptance of your role or has that role kind of progressed as you've been at kansas you know it's kind of crazy um i kind of look at it and i try to do basically everything mitch was you know for this for this team you know i didn't i don't really look at it as like a a backup role even though that's what it is it's it's you know you got to come off the bench but really every every good team needs a good bench and I think like like you guys have with Mitch you know it there was never like any drop off it's just kind of like it's not really more like I'll put Mitch in Dave needs a breather it's more like hey we need Mitch in there go put Mitch in you know we need a good defender we need a good shot blocker we need someone who's versatile plays above the rim and and you know sets good screens and makes a good makes good passes you know just kind of there's like there can't be any drop off so you know even though it's a backup role or supportive role, whatever you want to call it. Um, you try to make the most of it and know that there's going to be games where you're asked to play 15, 20 minutes. There's going to be games where you're asked to play five. And I think that's fine either way. Um, I, you know, Mitch is someone that I looked up to um, for sure when I was looking into kind of this role because, you know, I'm, he was he's had a lot of success and he was obviously very vital to your guys' run and your guys' time here at Kansas. So, um just making sure that I can be more of an asset rather than a liability, I think is something that I um, wanted to be a part of. Um, Hunter's great. Hunter does a lot of great things on both ends of the floor, but um, I think there's nothing wrong with being able to have a different look, you know, for defenses and offenses and be able to do things that maybe Hunter can't do or Hunter is like maybe slacking on or whatever you want to call it. But um yeah, just making sure that I'm more of an asset and something that teams have to prepare for rather than just like, oh, Hunter's in foul trouble. I I guess we have to throw Parker out there. You know, I don't I didn't want to be more like that. I wanted to make sure that um it was more something where I can, can be more of a contributor, even if it's limited minutes or whatever, just making sure I'm making the most of whatever opportunity comes. I you, think you guys both know this blush there for a little bit, Parker. I mean, I saw Mitch's cheeks get all rosy, get all smiley and stuff. <laughs> that, was, that was the nicest no, thing anybody said. I was, I was there, like you said. I was there throughout that run. Mitch was big time. And, and you know, even if it's two minutes at a time or if it's 12 minutes at a time, there's going to be games where we can't take Mitch out. He's killing it, you know. And, and, you know, just making sure that you're ready for that next man up kind of mentality, you know. You're really one rolled ankle away from – 
playing 25 minutes. So um, just making sure that you're ready for that opportunity. And I want Hunter to be out there 40 minutes if he can, you know, I hope that he's, I hope that he's killing it. I, I know I don't want to ever prey on any man's downfall or whatever, you know, I don't want to, I'm not jealous of that or anything like that. I, I hope Hunter gets 30 and 20 every game. That's, that's perfectly fine with me, but you know, just making sure that I'm ready for whenever they need me is really kind of what I have embraced. I think uh, you both know this, but like the season is so long and it, it's a grind. Like, like you said, like you're one rolled ankle away from playing huge minutes and huge games. Like, I think that's one thing that the maturity that, that you have playing at other schools, like be, being around success, you understand that it, it's, it takes composure and it, and it takes uh, being ready. So you don't got to get ready because this is a, this is a wild league and it's a physical league. And even in practice, like we, we've seen it before where guys can, can step on somebody's foot and like you can go from not having any problems with your, with your, with your, uh, with your roster to all of a sudden now Parker has to play 30 minutes and you've got that continuity with the starters to, to step in there and really play minutes. So I think that's, I think that's so cool. Yeah. Not even like just kind of on the court stuff. I think off the court is kind of something where I've, tried to take more of like a leadership and uh role. Like you said, I've, I've been around college basketball for so long. I've seen it all. And even though I wasn't playing here my first five years, you know, I, I've still was around the program with Christian and all that kind of stuff. So I know how coach self is. I know what he wants. And, you know, I've seen college basketball forever. I know all the offenses, defenses that coaches throw and all that kind of stuff. So just trying to like bring guys up with me and, you know, like talk to the freshmen and, and make sure everything's going right off the court and try not to be a, an issue off the court, I think is something that like is, is pretty like valuable to a program, even though it might not be as flashy, you know, I think can be very valuable. So just bringing experience and bringing a lot of different things to the table, I think can be very valuable other than playing 35 minutes, you know. Speaking of like your mentorship role, like you guys have multiple different freshmen coming off the bench that, that haven't played college basketball before. But you also have some really veteran guys with Hunter, with Dewan. I mean, even KJ, uh, Kev. Like those are some, those are some veteran guys. How do you guys try and, and pour into them and allow them to to grow and follow after you? It's I think a, it's a lot of leading by example. You know, those guys have, like you said, they've done it at this stage. So just kind of watching them and seeing how they do things is is kind of the biggest way to learn. I think uh, in this program, you know. Every day in practice, you see Kevin guard like four people at a time and everyone's like, how does he do that? But um, it's really kind of watching him do it. You, he can't really like tell you where to be or what to be. A lot of that's instincts. Um, like you said, Hunter's been doing it for a while. So it's more just watching them rather than it is like them telling everybody, I think. Um, no one really knows how to be at Kansas if you haven't been here. So just watching them and just trying to trying to follow in their footsteps, I think is a, the best way to do it. You know, the freshmen have done a good job. It's, it's not easy coming in and playing at a top program like that and having high expectations. You know, most of the times freshmen don't really play or, you know, they have to, they have to earn their minutes. You know, a lot of, a lot of the, the guys on the team now have just been kind of thrusted into a role that you don't really have an option. We only have like eight, nine guys that can play. So, um, just being thrusted into that role is very difficult and you're kind of tossed into the fire at this point in this conference. Um, and you don't really have much time to learn. So just making sure that you watch those guys every day and make sure that you're watching and, and seeing what makes them so successful and picking those little things up, I think is a, the best way to do it. This past game against Oklahoma, you, you caught a lob from Dewan. And, and for those of you guys that, that don't know, Parker has had a relationship with Dewan for a long time. How has that relationship helped you to, to be successful with him out there on the court? It's been fun. He's one of the the main reasons I came here. Just having a a point guard that's so reliable. You know, that's there. He's you know what you're going to get with him every game. He's always going to make the right play, and he's a great passer, a great ball handler, great just point guard in general. And like you said, having that kind of relationship. You know, we've played a ton growing up. I've known him since I was in like seventh grade, I think it probably was. So just kind of being around him, you know, just little things like flipping a screen or something. Like if that guy goes under resetting it and rolling or, or all set like a screen on my guy, he'll go get a layup. Like that's stuff that's just kind of already instilled in both of us. We don't really have to 
build that relationship. So like in practice or whatever, that's just kind of already there because I only have one chance at this, you know, I don't have a year to kind of get comfortable and get things under, get things under my belt and learn that system. So I think having the, that familiarity at the the point guard position was pretty something that was pretty important. And I, I love playing with the He's, he's great, you know, obviously on the court, but it's fun to be around off the court too. just have someone that, you know, on the team and, and can tell stories with and all that kind of stuff. So just having him has been definitely a big weight off my shoulders. And we talked about Juan, but let's talk a little bit about KJ and how he started 2024. I mean, he's a guy that goes out there and it doesn't matter if we just have one run one play for him. He's going to find a way to get 12 points. And he's really showed that through this new year. What can you kind of say? Did he change anything going into this new year? Or was it just more of like, hey, the opportunity has been arising more and he's just kind of figured out his niche? I think it's just who he is. The game, the game's going to come to him. You know, he's, he's just going to make sure he controls everything he can control. And then the rest is just going to fall into place. You know, I think that guy, he plays so hard, harder than anyone I've ever seen. And he's just making sure he's doing the right thing at all times. He's a great student of the game. He listens to coach. He he does what coach asks. And, you know, I think it's just, he's so willing to learn and he's so adamant about doing the right thing and, and being a team player that everything is just going to come to him at the end of the day. You know, karma will always come to his side if he's doing the right things. And I think that he's just done that so far. You know, he's paid his dues. He's he's played his heart out. Everything he's gone through, you know, he deserves everything he's going to get for sure. Parker, I'm going to, I want to ask you a quick question about playing in some crazy environments. Obviously, you played in the SEC. You played in the WCC and now the Big 12. So far, where have been the craziest places to play and why? There's nothing like Allen, obviously. Um, it's kind of a mecca of college basketball, if you ask me. But um, outside of that, I remember uh, Tennessee when they had Grant Williams and yeah. Admiral Schofield and that team. And like, I think it was 18, 19, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. We went into, into that place and it was rocking. I remember that place being crazy for sure. It feels like everything's like, on top of you they have like the suites like way up top and it feels like everything's just like on top of you crawling all over you so that place was definitely one of them Gonzaga's one of them we played them senior night so they uh we got their best shot uh, a couple yeah. of years ago on senior night when they had Timmy and Chet and those guys so um I think Gonzaga and Tennessee are the two that kind of stand out to me right now but nothing nothing tops out on Fieldhouse if you ask me Chris is that the year that uh Tennessee, is that the year that Tennessee beat our ass no, no, no. So we beat them in eighteen nineteen. I'm pretty sure we beat them in the in um in Brooklyn when we played. Yeah, we I remember played, that. Uh, I remember that. But yeah, we, so we, we, we lost. We went to Tennessee. Yeah, and Tennessee was a great environment. I think that may have been the year after COVID. So like they were kind of doing half and half, but yeah. it was loud in there. Like I felt it a lot. What you said, like it is on top of you. They have those seats that over. They have the suites that kind of overhang. It's a lot mm-hmm. like Oklahoma State. You guys will play there this year, I think. You guys play. Do you guys play Oklahoma State this week? Yeah, we got them Tuesday actually. Yeah, at Oklahoma State. Yeah, at Oklahoma State. And that that that, like, that that arena is vertical. Like it's it's, it's literally like very place to go into. Indiana was crazy this year too. We got their best shot, no doubt. So um, I think those three kind of stand out to me in the in the my years of of playing around. I think it's them, and then Allen Fieldhouse is probably up top. And you mentioned Chet and Tim and Drew Timmy, and so it also just it kind of spurred a thought in my brain. It's like you've been you've been a long tenure guy in, in college basketball. Who has been the hardest guy to guard and? Maybe not even the hardest guy to guard, but like one of those dudes where you're you're scouting them, just like Evan Mobley for us. You're scouting Evan Mobley, and you're kind of like, okay, well, what? How? What are we gonna do? <laughs> um, for me personally, I remember when Kofi and Io were at Illinois. We played them like, uh, at Mizzou at the time. It was supposed to be that neutral site game, but it was at Mizzou, and Io had like 34. But I remember Kofi just being an absolute handful. Like I was just at what what am I supposed to do coach like I'm I'm probably 215 220 pounds at the time and I'm like this guy's 280 and he probably jumps higher than me his arms are four inches longer than me like I don't what do you want me to do I'm like I'll 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 try my best but I remember him just being like an absolute handful and that might not be a name that you guys were expecting but I remember Kofi just being an absolute animal and I was like well I don't really know what to do here I'd probably had like three fouls in six minutes and There's not I, much like, you can't I, I didn't expect you to say Kofi, but 
Ver- remembering Kofi, I mean, dude, yeah, he was a Udoka where it's like you let him off the bus first. And yeah. you're, you're like, the opposing team's watching him, just like, oh god, I like, thank god I'm not a banker day. Yeah, it was like he gets one foot in the paint, and it's like you gotta just grab his arm. Like, there's nothing else you can do, really. Probably misses his free throws. Yeah, I hate that I've I hate that I've been around that long, but um, yeah, I've seen a lot of great guys throughout a lot of different conferences, um, and I'm excited to kind of see what the Big Twelve has in store for sure. We'll have some. We'll have some good point guards. I mean, Cryer's no joke down at, at Houston, and it's, it's one of those guys you don't really get a feel of playing, like of how they play. Like when we would go play those Baylor guards, you watch them in film and be like, ah, like don't be wrong, they're really good. They're making separation plays, but then you're watching them in real time. They're hitting you with those hezzy leaps, and like it's like they have five options off of those moves. Yeah, and I remember it's, it's, uh, it's Jared Butler was at uh, Baylor, and Christian is the type of guy he doesn't. He can guard everybody, you know. He could he could guard he lock he lock KD up if you give him, you know, according to Christian. But um, he was one of the, Jared Butler was one of those guys. He's like he's a he he can go for sure. Like he's he's oh, a yeah. tough guard for me, and that's that's saying a lot. If Christian gives you that nod, I remember Jared Butler being one of those guys, and the twelve's full of them for sure. Yeah, it's going to be guard heavy again. It's it's been guard heavy. Mm-hmm. Parker, Parker, in your mind, what does the team need to do to reach our our full potential this year and be the best we can be? Um, I think it's just a matter of coming together. Um, in the times where we haven't looked good this year, it's really where we've just kind of been disconnected. Um, and that's going to happen with a, a group of new guys. You know, we've only really been together for like six months, seven months, whatever it is. So um, just making sure that we come together in times of like adversity and all those things. We're going to play a lot of great teams. And if you want to make a deep run, you're going to be playing the best teams. So um, with the talent we have, our goal is a national championship. You know, that should be the goal every year here. But I think with the talent we have and the resume we have, that's definitely not out of the question. Um, you know, we all want to win as many championships. You know, we want to win the Big 12. We want to win a national championship. But um, it's just a matter of coming together and realizing that, you know, this group only gets to play together once, you know, as special and talented, whatever you want to say as it is. Um, for us to be, for us to get to where we want to go individually, we have to come together and, and make sure that we try to be like a special group, um, all together because we're not going to be able to do it individually. We don't really have a guy that can just carry us to the final four. You know, we're going to have to, we're going to have to do it as a unit and, um, making sure that we're, you know, we're a closed fist and we're not an open hand. And do you, so like, we obviously have, we're kind of going into big 12, right? We're in big 12. We're not in the thick of things yet, but what is, what is the emphasis? Have we kind of after the UCF game and after the Marquette game started to think that, Hey, like our best opportunity to win is get the ball to Hunter and then let the guards play off of that and keep people from scoring. I, it's going to be hard for us to like, we were talking before it came on, like those AAU games where we're just running up down the court. We don't really have a prolific three point shooter. We don't have a guard that can sit there and kind of break people down and get the wiggle. So has it been more of an emphasis on, Hey guys, like if, if we had, if we average letting, if we let our opponents have 65 or less points a game, we're going to be undefeated the rest of the way. Has that kind of been the mindset going into big 12, knowing that it's, it's a prolific scoring league if you let these teams do it. Yeah, all year coaches preach defense. You know, that's what we have to hang our hat on. Like you said, we don't have the, like, just guys that can go get 30. You know, we don't have guys that can just space the floor and, and hey, I'm going to go get mine. So, um, you know, it's it's mostly, mostly been on defense. We got to be a special group defensively. And like you said, if it's a race to 70, you know, then, then I think we have a great chance to win most of our games if and, you know, make a deep run. But, um it's got to be a, we got to be a unit defensively that a lot of teams are, you know, scared to play. And we got to be playing as one kind of, like I said, together. Um, there can't be four guys on the same page and one guy not because, you know, once that one guy is not on the same page, it just it leads to points and it leads to fast breaks for other teams. And, and, you know, we, I think we have um, a good enough coach and a good enough system and good enough players to score enough points. Points won't be an issue. It's just a matter of making sure that we can, we can hold guys to uh, under their averages and, and make teams try to struggle defensively is kind of what I think we have to hang our hat on if we want to make a deep run. Parker, one of the buzzwords around college basketball, college sports in general right now has been NIL. How has that differed from Santa Clara to here? And how did you get introduced to it at Santa Clara? For us, in, in, in my experience, it was like, 
they called us in for a meeting. We're like, hey, yeah, you guys can get paid for your name, image, and likeness now. Like, it was pretty abrupt. Was it? Was it like that there? Um, yeah, it was a pretty new uh, experience. Um, it's not really quite the platform and everything that like Kansas basketball is. So it's definitely a lot different. Um, you kind of have to market yourself and all that kind of stuff. But, um, with the fans here and everything, um, it's a very incredible opportunity and it can change a lot of lives. But, um, for me, I remember opening out at Santa Clara. It was just kind of like, it was kind of hesitancy, you know, like, I don't really know what, what I should be doing, what I shouldn't be doing. So I kind of held off on a lot and I was kind of conservative about that because, um, you know, I didn't really like have to chase anything. I was kind of more focusing on basketball and hoping that, that the NIL stuff would kind of fall into place after that. So mm-hmm. I didn't really dive too much into it at first, but, um, you know, being out here and seeing like top programs and seeing what top players get, you know, it's life changing stuff. And I think that, it's great for college basketball. You know, they're going to have to do some figuring out and some research, you know, as time kind of goes, what's, what's good and what's bad with it and how they can kind of control that. Because uh, as you guys know, kind of being like at the the forefront of it, it was kind of crazy at first, you know, it was like guys were just shaking hands, getting like an absurd amount of money. So um, I know they're trying to do more to where you can, earn that money you know you kind of have to do more charity work and stuff like that but um at first it was kind of it was kind of scary i think for me at least you know i didn't really want to be part of the the group that like got in trouble or something you know because they took deals when they shouldn't have or you know took a bad deal or got with a bad company or something you know i didn't want to be really a part of that group so i was very very hesitant at first but um i think as it's grown now it's becoming a a very cool opportunity for all of college sports. Did NIL play any, like any factor in where you decided to go to college? Like, did it, I mean, go to Kansas, like when you were transferring, were you talking to people about basketball and then a little bit about NIL be like, okay, what, what are the opportunities here? Or was it just, Hey, let me go play basketball. Like you said, at Santa Clara and then just let everything else kind of fall into place. Yeah. I was looking for more kind of opportunity when I got into the portal. It wasn't really about NIL or anything like that. Um, I think any amount of money, it like it, it's whatever at this point, you know, I think just the opportunity to be here and be for this coach and this program and these players, you know, and this fan base, I think is kind of what stayed to sit out to me most, you know, I don't, it's not really like a, there's not a dollar amount that could make me turn that down or, you know, or anything like that. It's more just like being a part of history and trying to do something special in my time in college basketball. You know, I haven't really don't have not I haven't cut any net downs or anything like that. So, you know, just trying to make sure that, I spend my time and and I have the most fun I can in college basketball and I have the best opportunity to go do something special. I think is what I prioritize the most. Okay, Parker. So you've gone through a couple SEC conference play seasons and this year you're, you're three games into it based off of the little sample size you've gotten so far. What is the differences between the big 12 and the SEC kind of conference play is, I mean, big 12 and they're both great high major colleges and they have their years. Has Has there been a big difference that you kind of felt early on? Um, the SEC, from what I remember, it was just a lot of just pure athletes. You know, there's just the guys where it's like, can't teach that. You know, that's where a lot of like the, the I think the talent level in the Big 12 is probably way higher than uh, what I remember in the SEC. But um, a lot of the, the guys in that, uh, like that I played against at Mizzou, it was like, just God given, like, you can't. You can't do anything about that. And and out there, they kind of try to teach you that skill. And rather than like from what I've seen here in the Big 12, it's like you got players here, you know, like you got guys that can play and they can they can shoot, dribble and pass probably a little better than than what I remember in the SEC. But um, out there, it was like every other night it was like they get 20 offensive rebounds a game. We got to keep them off the offensive glass, you know. Uh, close out short, you know, he's not a good shooter or, you know, he's a driver, this driver, that, but in the big 12, it's more, um, you know, he comes off the ball screen, right. He's looking to in and out step back, or if he's coming off left, he's going to get all the way to the cup. And, you know, these guys have certain moves. You have to learn, you know, what the, where they like it on the court, where they don't like it on the court, there's certain skill sets, their shots, you know, I think that's kind of where more 
the difference I've seen in the Big 12 than the SEC. There's more, maybe more like uh, basketball skill and basketball talent than than I'd see in the SEC. But a lot of those SEC guys, like you see a lot of like the f- lottery picks from the SEC, the Kentuckys yeah. and all those guys where it's like, you can't teach that or you can't teach what they have now. But, you know, once they get to the NBA, it's like you're they're going to teach them how to dribble, shoot and pass. And they're just going to be miles above everybody else. So I think the Big 12, you see a lot of NBA ready guys now in the league. So I think it's pretty special to see like such high, like a, such massive pool of just top level talent, I think, at, in the Big 12 currently. Yeah, and that's kind of how like the Big Twelve has progressed over the last five, like even when we were there, the last probably decade. It's it's been about teams. Like there's not one guy that has really been on a team that's carried somebody. Like there isn't a guy like Anthony Edwards in Georgia. There's not really those those people that you come up like what you're saying, just like these freak athletes where they just went and were like, hey, let me hoop for, for a year in college. I got to do it, and they just mm-hmm. are six and absolute monsters. We look at them, and NFL guys or NBA guys are like. Yeah, that's a top five pick. I don't care what he does. And so I think that is something that it, it's it's a grind in the Big 12. And that's why people, like, there's a lot of losses. Like, there's a lot of upsets. Because it's like you're playing against five dudes. You're not playing against two athletic guys and then three guys that can come out there and maybe shoot the ball. Like, you're playing against five dudes. If you let the guy who's the worst three-point shooter in the starting five get hot, he's having 30 on you. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah. yeah. I saw Edwards firsthand. He's kind of – he's a good example of kind of what I mean. You know, like the – Emmanuel Quickly's and those guys that I remember playing against. It's just like, they're just special. You know, I I remember Anthony Edwards, we were at Mizzou uh, and he was like a, like they were terrible, but he was just getting like 25 and 10 a night. And he was just like waking up, get, like getting buckets, going to sleep, knowing he's a number one pick. But um, yeah. we were at Mizzou and he, uh, I was on the bench and I was, just kind of watching the game and you know it was just normal game just Mizzou at Georgia like it wasn't like a blowout or anything it was a tight game and he was in the corner and someone drove it at him and kicked it to him in the corner and like he's shot ready right here and before the ball is even like in his hands like he's getting ready to get into shooting motion he's like good shot ant and I'm like (laughs) everyone's kind of like what like what do you mean he lets it fly from the corner, like just starts running down the floor and it's just nets. And I was like, yeah, he's one of those guys. He's one of them for sure. And it's just kind of guys like that in the SEC where he's just like, no, like, yeah, he's a little different than everybody else. But um, like you said, in the big 12, there's a lot of guys who can be like role players in the NBA probably right now. Like you can just, they could just go play good minutes in the NBA. And even though they might not be like a, a star or something, like they're great basketball players. And, you know, even they could be, late first round, second round draft picks that end up contributing in the NBA. I feel like there's a ton of those just on all the same roster right now in the Big 12. Yeah, for sure. And that's going to mean it's going to be a gauntlet this year. But hey, Parker, mm-hmm. appreciate you coming on today. It was great to talk to you. Uh, great to give us a little peace of mind of like how, what were the heads out of the team and kind of how we're going to progress into Big 12 play. So thank you so much for coming on. That's another episode of Rock Chalk Unplugged.